If you're a software engineer, have you ever wondered how your work can add to a more sustainable future? According to the Association for Computing Machinery, the annual energy consumption at data centers has doubled over the past decade. Today, computing and IT are responsible for between 1.8% and 3.9% respectively of the total global greenhouse gas emissions. The University of Cambridge estimates that the energy needed to maintain the Bitcoin network is roughly 115 terawatt hours, which is about twice the energy consumption of the entire nation of Switzerland. Lastly, did you know that the programming language C consumes the least energy to run, while Python consumes the most amount of energy? Join us today as we take you through the world of software coding and how software engineers can play a role in Net Zero. Welcome back to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Earth, a podcast dedicated to exploring the latest advancements in sustainability and how we can work together to create a more sustainable future. I'm your host Madhura and I'm thrilled to be on this journey with you. Technological companies seem rather benign in terms of their ecological footprint. However, in reality, as the statistics indicate, they're highly energy consuming. When it comes to climate action, tech companies typically focus on reducing their scope 1 and scope 2 emissions. So let me break down these different types of emissions for you. Firstly, the scope 1 emissions are those direct emissions from owned or controlled sources. This could include the fuel used in company cars in boilers and generators. Well, you get the drift. Whereas scope 2 emissions are indirect emissions from purchase power, such as traditional energy sources used for heating, cooling, lighting, so on and so forth. Scope 3 emissions are also indirect emissions, but these are from everything else in the company's upstream and downstream operations. It includes things like business travel, employee commute, leased assets, products end of life and everything in between. It's usually larger than scope 1 and 2 put together. At Microsoft, for instance, they expected to emit 16 million metric tons of carbon in 2020, and 75% of this fell under scope 3 emissions. GHG emissions from running a data center can typically fall under scope 1 or scope 2, depending upon how the data center is structured. This currently stands at around 2% of the global GHG emissions. However, it's expected to rise to about 5 to 7%. Most large tech companies have power purchase agreements to transition to renewable energy or offset the electricity consumed by these data centers. Most large tech companies have power purchase agreements in place to transition to renewable energy or at least offset the electricity consumed by these data centers. While these actions are necessary, our goal should be to reduce the amount of energy required to run these data centers in the first place. This is where I would like to talk about the green code. And no, this is not another name for a code of conduct or a distress signal. In software parlance, a green code is something that is efficient and has less runtime. IBM defines it as an environmentally sustainable computing practice that seeks to minimize the energy involved in processing lines of code and in turn help organizations reduce the overall energy consumption.
20 years ago, we automatically optimized the codes we wrote due to the bandwidth restrictions and limited processing power. But over the years, innovations in technology has enabled higher processing power and programmers are no longer restrained by these restrictions. Today, open source libraries and frameworks are written to be generic. Approximately 90% of software developers leverage on this open source code, which is not tailored for any specific user nor any application. While this makes life easy for programmers and creates great possibilities, these libraries usually have several lines of redundant code that requires more processing power to run and thus resulting in more energy consumption and unnecessary carbon emissions. To give you an example, researchers trained an AI model to classify flowers using a small publicly available dataset of iris flowers. The AI model achieved accuracy of around 96% in classifying the flowers different species with only uh, 964 joules of energy. But to achieve a higher accuracy, the system consumed significantly higher energy. Uh, that is to gain around 2% in accuracy, the energy consumption increased to about three times. The answer to this problem lies in going back to the basics or at least applying those principles. Like any other sustainability initiative, green coding requires both structural and behavioral changes. Writing the most efficient code and using the right infrastructure seems to be at the crux of addressing this issue. This goes hand in hand with empowering the management and the employees and also simultaneously encouraging innovation. There are three pillars for green coding or green software. Firstly, to achieve a greener code. This is to ensure that the code is efficient and there is no redundancy. Secondly, to build a greener architecture, which includes shutting down the software when it's not being used and optimizing the processing and the overall life cycle of the software. Lastly, to have a greener platform. It is necessary to understand that the infrastructure on which the code runs is as important as the code itself. Public awareness on the possibilities of sustainable software development is minimal. On one hand, time needs to be invested to carry out efficiency testing. On the other hand, this increases the operating costs. Managers need to focus, therefore, on sustainability as the ideal outcome and prioritize optimizing end-to-end. -end. Organizations can start by creating awareness and training the engineers to develop leaner and a greener code. Although green coding will not solve all of the industry's problems, it can be important lever for reducing energy consumptions. We would love to hear from you on your thoughts about the feasibility of this approach, especially where legacy code is concerned. Can we put on our innovative hats to come up with a solution? So the next time a software engineer asks you how they can contribute to climate action, you know the answer. If you would like to know more about what was discussed, refer to our show notes where we have curated a list of resources you can check out if you wish to dig deeper into the subject. Please join us on this learning experience and subscribe to our podcast on your preferred streaming platform so you don't miss out on any of our upcoming episodes. And while you're at it, do check out our website www.capoxy.com, Instagram and Twitter handles. 
Hope you have a pleasant experience being on board with us as we discuss uncomfortable topics for a comfortable future.